0: At some point, the linear CFO and the digital CFO are like crossing, two ships crossing in the night. It's like at one point did HBO say, okay, we've got to go digital and not just linear. And that's the same thing that's going to happen here from a betting standpoint. Hey, everybody, and welcome to
1: a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University sports podcast, where we talk about the business of sports. I'm Tom Richardson, and I'm joined today again by longtime co-hosts. Long time, Joe. Since the beginning, Joe Favorito. for most of you. You know. said that like,
2: you said that with kind of like again. Oh. <laughs> so oh my, once old. again, it's me yeah. and Joe. Yeah, there and we go. Because because why, Tom? Because we continue to ask more people to help us, but yet no one does. So <laughs> there's the open call again. Anybody uh, wants to host a podcast with us? And you know, long yeah. long
0: connotes old, so that's not always yeah. good. Oh, that's true.
1: Yeah, but no, we've been doing this for five and a half years, and uh, mm. it's a pleasure. And we've had so many great conversations. Um, I, I consider it a real uh, gem in 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 our world at Columbia and at the business at large. I, I hope others uh, do too. Anyway, um, Joe, before we introduce our guests, we've got a great guest today. It's going to be a fun conversation on a very hot topic. Um, I noticed uh, you've been having some, some good hot takes on the beginning of this NFL season. And I know you're particularly were, uh, were keen on the Manning brothers doing their co-streaming. Any
2: thoughts? You know, it's funny. I thought it was great. I also thought it was great that, you know, some of the people that I respect on the NFL side, like Mike Florio, were like, this is terrible. I need a bigger screen. You know, <laughs> what are these guys babbling about yet? you know, I mean, they're brothers who are quarterbacks, both of whom will be in the Hall of Fame, and they get it. I mean, and, and it's funny, even Eli alluded to, well, you know, in my when my nacho chip, you know, sponsor is going to be coming in next week, that's what I'm going to be eating when they show it on TV next week. So um, I give ESPN a lot of credit for the mega cast and kind of, again, giving us the glimpse, and we're going to talk about streaming into where this is all going to be going. Because as you've said, time and again, Tom, this is all about not what the network wants to give us. It's how we want to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and how we want to watch is where this is hopefully going to continue to go. And, you know, screw ratings. You know, I'm not worried about ratings. And they actually got a good number for I the- I was going to say, news. the
1: ratings have been not a problem so far. Yeah.
2: So I thought it was great. Um, you know, it was interesting. One of those, those inflection moments when you, you think you want to get as many clicks that that Fox- uh, or and, and if the NFL on Thursday night did not put a grotesque broken leg back on the screen like they did with Joe Theismann, again, right. same two teams meeting oh, I years.
1: Remember, ago. I remember that. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, you know the NFL is off to quite the races to the point where I don't know if you saw, you know, we're here on the Friday. Where they announced that there's going to be an in-season hard knocks now.
1: Yep. That's gonna Indianapolis Colts. In fact, no. I, I, I was no.
2: excited to see that because I'm a hard knocks George, fan. But and yeah. we're also expecting a Charlie Shin cameo somewhere in there. So oh,
1: nice. Yeah. Oh that's right. Okay,
2: cool. Yeah. Our our last guest on the last podcast. so you you Tom, early, early takes.
1: Um I I mean, look, we we've learned sometimes we ask the question in our class in the digital class. What, what can mainstream media learn from digital? And the answer is there's a lot of things they can learn from digital, but one of the things clearly is these personalized broadcast experience or broadcast mm-hmm. quotes, you quotes, know, just viewing experiences like I call them. So as I noted, I think maybe in response to your tweet, Joe, it's just another kind of more mainstream version of co-streaming that Twitch has been doing for about eight years as yeah. a very common practice and fans love it. We all can joke about why do are people watching other people watch video games? And the answer is because they like to watch other people playing video games. No one predicted it. But I love it personally because I, I I, would be happy to have some different takes. In fact, it would be fun to have more of a Twitch-like experience where there could be multiple options. So I know through the years, Monday Night Football has been very creative. They've had former athletes on, of course. They've had comedians like Dennis Miller They and, and Corn, or. You know journalism and comedian Kornheiser. Uh, they've taken different approaches, but I think it's to your point, I think it's great that they're trying it. I commend them for
0: the innovation and I hope it continues.
2: And one other great point they could, take, we that,
0: they could uh, take that Manning Brothers broadcast to the next level by making it interactive at some point.
1: Yes. Yeah. Like and, like Twitch, another example well, from, not like, twitch, like but we're
0: you know, doing technology to do it like us. Mm-hmm. Aha. Uh-huh. All right. Well, that's okay. uh, that's our cue, man. All
2: right. Yeah. One other quick point, um, and Andrew Marshan at the New York Post had a great article about it was, you know, it really deflected away from any kind of criticism from the main broadcast as those, that talent led by Steve Levy gets used to themselves now and broadcasting together, where on a normal Monday night, people would have been railing against them. They were kind of a side note. So they get the benefit of the Manning brothers getting the spotlight at least for the first week. And, you know, they get to develop their craft, which I think is great for the traditional, you know, person who wants to watch it. But anyway, yeah, I digress. Now let's no, move you. No, a good
1: segue into, into talking, uh, meeting our guests today. So we've got someone who I've known for a long time uh, and many people in the industry have known for a long time because he's a veteran of the NFL, yeah. not, not the field of play of the NFL, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Park Avenue oh, of yeah, that would be. Um, but what I've always been intrigued by with our guest is that he started his career in the music business, which I was always jealous of. He worked at Sony Music Marketing for over 10 years, went on to the NFL, spent Should we start time... a drum roll, Tom, right now? Uh, yeah, and, and well, I'm about to say that. And, and mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of all this, having been a music, I believe, minor at Ithaca College, he uh, was a phenomenal drummer when he was young uh, and he continues to play the drums. And I know from firsthand experience, he's a very good drummer. And really into music. Um, anyway, he's had some really interesting jobs after the, the, the bigger corporate experiences, including a bunch in the world of digital and digital technologies. Most recently, and this goes back now five years, I believe, to 2016, Jed became the chief marketing officer of they're called Phoenix Technologies. Phoenix spelled F-P-H-E-N-I-X. And um, They're doing some really interesting things. So the way they describe themselves officially is that they are the go-to provider for real-time video streaming solutions. And if there was ever a topic and an issue that needs to be discussed right now is uh, the topic of real-time video solutions. So Jed Carinthal is our guest. Welcome to the show, Jed.
0: Thank you so much. Pleasure and honor to be here.
1: Yeah, really happy to have you. So there's a lot we need to talk about here, but I want to start with this question. We're going to hear a little bit about your background, but just to provide a little bit of additional context quickly on Phoenix, which we're going to get into, but just, just talk about the difference between, I know you guys emphasize this in your pitches, the difference between live and real time and do that, like weave that answer into like a little perspective, historical perspective on this, because I know you've been around this topic for
0: a long time. Sure, no, absolutely. So, I mean, let me sort of backtrack and just talk a little bit about streaming. And so streaming has been around, streaming video has been around about 17, 18, 19 years, give or take. Um, uh, Apple actually created a product, an Apple-based product called HLS, which stands for HTTP live streaming. Mm -hmm. And 99.9% of the people that stream video to you as a consumer, use this form of this protocol known as HLS. It wasn't actually developed for video back in the day. It was developed for moving data, but it was sort of asked to do video um, by sort of the business and broadcasters primarily um, in order to stream content uh, on the go, so, so to speak. So you can stream content to people all over the place. And what HLS does very well, or at least it has in the past done very well, is allow you to stream to large audiences, which is why most of the broadcasters and Facebook and YouTube and and you know the list is very long as to who uses a form of HLS type technology. Um, but what it doesn't do is two things: it doesn't it doesn't stream in real time; um, it streams with what's known as latency or delay in the stream, meaning from the time that you see, let's say a play on the field to this time you see it on your device, whatever that device might be, um, there is a delay in that stream. And in some cases it could be 40, 50 or 60 seconds of delay. There's also a second form of latency and that is what's known as drift, not to get too technical, but if the three of us, Tom, me, you and Joe were watching the Super Bowl or any game of any sport, on the same phone, on the same platform, with the same internet provider, same mobile carrier, everything is the same, we would all be watching at different times Mm -hmm. because the technology doesn't synchronize the streams. Um, So those are issues when you start dealing with um, forms of video that involved interactivity, where let's say you, the three of us, wanted to have a conversation while we're watching a game. If you have a couple seconds of, of delay, well then the experience is all messed up. It's like if you watch the old Japanese movies with the, you know, with the with right. this, with the dubbing, you know, look over there, it's good. Enough. You know, and you know, you see their lips moving and the sound, it's like all out of sync. So that's the kind of experience that we have. So more recently, Google came out with what's known as an open source technology called WebRTC, Web Real-Time Communication. Mm-hmm. and it was designed for chat nothing more it's exactly what we're doing on zoom and hangouts and teams and facetime all those ty- all those video conferencing technologies use some form of real time technology or real time protocol so what it does is it allows you to stream in real time meaning there's very little or no delay in the stream itself but what it doesn't do is scale so you have two sort of technologies one that you know is designed to reach a large audience, but has a significant amount of delay. And then another that reaches um, people in real time with no delay, but can't reach a lot of people. So what we decided to do, or what our founder decided to do when we started the company eight years ago, was make a bet that fans would want to watch their content in real time. And when we say real time, we mean less than half a second of delay from the moment we, it's like what we call camera to glass, from the camera on the field to the glass on your mobile device, laptop, TV, whatever that might be, is less than half a second anywhere in the world on virtually any device. So what we did was we made a bet that, well, he made a bet that people were going to want to ultimately watch everything in real time. So what he did was he took the protocol known as WebRTC and he reverse engineered it. And sort of, it's like taking a car, you know, the engine apart and then rebuilding it from scratch. So he rebuilt it. And now when he rebuilt it, he rebuilt it to scale. So we kind of did away with the sort of the, you know, the off the shelf issue that WebRTC poses not being able to scale. So what we do today, and we do it every day, hundreds of thousands of times is that we stream content To people on their mobile device or laptop or TV at less than half a second, and we do it at scale, meaning we can reach hundreds of thousands of users at the same time while maintaining that same amount of latency, and we synchronize the streams. So all those issues that have been plaguing the streaming industry, um, we have solved. So, Chad, let me just get,
1: uh, I'm sorry, just a quick follow-up. So we just... Witnessed the Olympics that did an enormous amount of streaming, (laughs) at all different times of the day, all different kinds of um, locations and devices and things like that. Were they? I mean, I didn't. I didn't actually watch a lot of the digital streaming because I I do have most of the uh, NBC Comcast channels on my pay system. But was that an issue during the Olympics, for example?
0: Well, you know, I I don't necessarily like to criticize anybody, but let's just say that they didn't stream in real time. So they had some you know, for the most part, their streams were pretty good. The quality was good. Um, every now and then you get a buffering issue. You get, you might get some freezing, but um, not really that much. The biggest issue they have is delay, is latency. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Okay.
0: Um, two, two quick things. Who's your founder
2: left out of name? Number oh, one. Sure. And number two is um, let's, how does this factor into today yep. with the initiative you just raised with things like gambling?
0: Yep, for sure. So our founder is is um, Doctor Doctor Stefan. He has a PhD. Doctor Stefan Barrer. Stefan is a as a Swiss. Um, came over from Switzerland in two thousand and twenty to do his graduate work at Northeast uh, Northwestern um, outside of Chicago, which is why our HQ is in Chicago because that's where he lives. Um, and he he truly is one of probably ten or twenty people in the world that has the knowledge about streaming um, that he has. It is absolutely remarkable um, what he does and what he's been able to accomplish in his career. It's, 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 it's why I joined the company. It's why almost everybody we have in some manner, shape or form has come over because of his what he's built and what it does is just game changing. Um, to answer your second question, it, it's exactly what today's market needs because you're getting to the point where Content is very interactive, where people are chatting. You're seeing watch parties, social viewing, you know, e-commerce while you're watching, mm. um, all kinds of interactive features, trivia's, games, and polls, and and then of course the ultimate, which is what you mentioned, is betting. Um, that's the absolute ultimate, and probably the one. Well, not the one. The area that we make the most impact on, because you can't really afford any delay when, you know, when you've got money on the line. So um, betting is a, is a big, is a big vertical for us. And we actually set some streaming records in the UK earlier this year with a, there's a, there's a week of horse racing called the Cheltenham Festival, which is the most important and biggest week of racing all year in the UK. Um, And we work with our clients, um, Stats Perform and, and RMG Racecourse Media Group. And we streamed um, all four days, seven races a day to every race was over 100,000 concurrent users and several were 500,000. So nobody has ever streamed that many people at, I mean, we probably streamed it at about 300 milliseconds end to end. So, I mean, what it does is, I mean, take, for instance, what people consider in play or prop bets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Prop bets are typically, you know, will Steph Curry score more points in the third quarter and he did in the second quarter. Will the Chiefs score more points in the second half or you know what are the uh, did the odds change in the second half because they're up 14 nothing. Those are typical prop bets. You know, who's going to get the first field goal, things like that. But when you're streaming in real time like what we do, the game changes quite a bit to what's known as micro betting or micro wagering. Will Pat Mahomes throw a touchdown on the next pass? Mm-hmm. Will Aaron Judge hit a home run on the next pitch? Things of that nature. And is the next pitch a strike
2: or a ball? I mean, I would imagine that's something yeah. you can do. Well, I'm sorry. What was that? Joe? Is the next pitch a strike or a ball? Exactly. Exactly. Could I mean, be anything.
0: You're talking about. I mean, think about what this does not only for the sportsbook operators and how many bets they can now take, how many more bets they can take. But think about what it also does for the broadcasters, because if you're watching a football game and let's say the score is 35 nothing, you know, you you may turn that game off because it's a blowout and you don't want to watch it anymore. But if you can bet on the next play and throw a couple dollars down and have some fun with your friends, and then once you start getting into what's known as exchange betting or peer to peer betting, where the three of us are watching a game, and not only are you betting on FanDuel, but we're betting each other. Hey, Tom, I think he's going to throw a touchdown, and you mm-hmm. don't, and mm-hmm. we bet five bucks. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's when it really becomes interesting.
1: Wow. So Jed, you were at Sony at the dawn of the digital era, the mid-90s you were at the NFL when things really started to get serious. Did you ever think when you were working on sponsorship marketing at the NFL 20 years ago that you'd be in a podcast in 2021 talking about real time streaming and
0: HLS and stuff like that? Not a chance in hell, no (laughs) way. Um, You know, it is interesting. Um, I've always, you know, when when sort of mobile was kind of early on, um, I, I worked for a digital company Um, called gold mobile or gold it was really just the gentleman's name bob gold and um and we were kind of doing some things very early in mobile like what in those days were like WAP sites, and you know early early days of mobile marketing um but it always intrigued me you know where were the next you know what what was sort of the next platform for marketers you know where would we talk to people and how would we talk to them and Mobile was kind of very ringtones, you know, were very big early mm-hmm. on in mobile. Uh, well, I guess it's still big, SM- um, yeah. It's SMS, you know, the yeah, SMS, MMS, you know, right. mm-hmm. and even early days, I started a company called Mimo, and we did a lot of mo- uh, branded emojis, you know, stickers. I remember that, yeah. mm-hmm. where we not only you know, if I sent you a a smiley face, it wouldn't just be a smiley face, maybe it would be like you know, a Shrek smiley mm-hmm. or a or a you know, Fernando Tatis smiley or something mm-hmm. like that. So, um But yeah you know the digital space has always intrigued me and you know i've always read a lot about it and kind of gotten a lot of information and i think that um you're right though it's i never would have anticipated this that's for sure
1: yeah i mean so the the other thing that's interesting is that you were um like in this position as cmo of phoenix it's obviously a business to business solutions provider yeah. And business to business marketing is different as we all know from consumer marketing. Yeah. Talk about that for a second because I, I, that's, that's something that we've never really gotten into, I don't think Joe, on this podcast, kind of the nature of b2 B marketing, which is a different mm-hmm. animal from from what we often talk about as general marketing.
0: Yeah, no,' it, it's a, that's a valid point. Um, it, it is very different because when you're in you know when you're direct to the consumer, you want to you want to build your brand differently right and how you promote your brand and how you position your brand is potentially different than when you're talking to businesses i mean i can sit here today and, and and tell you that you know certainly i would love everybody to know who phoenix is but the people that i really want to know who phoenix are are companies that will use our technology and that's more important to me so we can. I'll sacrifice taking a back seat and be in the sidelines of, you know, brand positioning for them to actually use our technology. I mean, you know, Verizon is a is a customer now. Edgecast, and you know, we don't get a whole lot of positioning in what we do with them. We just did a, a draft together um, with Yahoo on their fantasy site, and we powered this whole draft um, chat feature. So for the first time, you were able to. You know, draft your fantasy team and players and chat video chat in real time with your friends while you're drafting so um, but you know that wasn't really known or, or mentioned in, in any sort of press or, or, or even social so you know we're kind of sitting on the sidelines a little bit empowering experiences like that um, but with that said you know we still do some you know traditional marketing we still want to be in social um, for us, LinkedIn is a big is a big platform for us because it's more biz, you know, B two B. We do less on. I mean, we have Twitter pages, we have Facebook pages, but nobody's really going to go to the Phoenix Facebook page like they would, you know, a Coke Facebook page or a particular celebrity or something, because it's just not as compelling. Um, but you know, it, it is a very different way to market your brand.
1: So related to that, I mean, when you um... Just trying to tie some of the um, older experiences to to where things have gone. So when you're doing marketing for music in the 90s, it was, as I said, just at the beginning of digital. So you kind of lived through that. And then at the NFL, I know you're working primarily, I guess, sponsorship stuff, the marketing associated with the sponsorship. But as you've watched this evolution of digital, where marketing has become in many cases media and media has become marketing which is something we talk about in my class i mean what's your take on the general evolution particularly as it's um gotten extremely expansive in terms of the marketing agenda you know at this point in history
0: yeah for sure um i think there's a couple things um one that i always sort of say and think about you know there's this term second screen experience or even third screen experience and, you know, in my mind, there, that, that really doesn't exist. There is no first or second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth screen. You know, the screen that you have is the screen that you have. And you probably have, certainly your students have multiple screens going at one time. So there isn't a first screen or a second screen. It's all of their screens. Um, the other thing is, and I think that, you know, you know think about it, you know, Tom and I, you, can, you, you, you and I can think about this as musicians. Is it easier or is it harder for a musician now to break through the clutter? Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's a little of both. I mean, I think it's, you know, you have a lot of platforms where you can promote yourself and potentially get in front of the public, but because you have a lot of platforms means there's a lot of people that are utilizing all those platforms. And so it's it makes it potentially even harder to cut through that clutter. So you were gonna, it sounds like you wanted to say something. <laughs> No, I I think
2: um, I I agree with that. The the one difference is, and this will kind of transition into my other question, is who your audience is. I mean, if you have an audience that you only want to reach 500 loyal followers, that engagement is important as, you know, but I would say, you know, especially for people who want to be a commercial success, they want to reach millions. So, you know, that empowerment, I think, has changed over the years. It's going to continue to evolve. And sometimes people get stars in their eyes looking at, you know, I want to be the next, Coldplay—it doesn't matter who it is. When in reality, you may have a really strong local following that fuels what it is you want to do for your creative juices. That's you know, thats a challenge, and everybody's got to make that decision.
0: Yeah, there, but, you know, there there are companies. That, you know, you hear this a lot. Well, we want to change the world. Well, you yeah. know, not every company a is going to change the world, and and really more importantly, not every company has to change the world. Mm-hmm. You can ha- you can be very successful. And just be the company or be whoever it is that you are without having to say, holy shit, I've got to change the world. And, and you know, everything has got to be the be all end or we have to be as big as Facebook or Google. That's not first of all, it's not realistic. Mm-hmm. And second of all, you don't have to be. I mean, I remember when I was in the music industry, there were there were three primarily three night late night shows. There was the Leno show. There was the Letterman show. And you guys will remember there was the Arsenio Hall show. Right, those were like the three now. Arsenio Hall had by far the fewest in terms of total number of viewers. But when we as as when I was at Sony, when we put artists on Arsenio Hall and the and versus the other two platforms, we saw an enormous spike when any artist went on Arsenio Hall, because for whatever reason the viewers were more active, they were more, I don't know if they were younger or whatnot, but It was, it was exponential. You know, in those days, it was the billboard, you know, hundred charts and, and and the singles and albums, but we saw a tremendous spike in sales. Once we had somebody perform on our Hall versus Letterman or Leno, it was very different.
2: Hmm. Um, So just to follow up on kind of that whole idea of community and and the way things are moving, Jed, um, you've, your business has now been around for quite a while. You, you and Tom have been looking at this user experience and the better user experience and the fast user experience for a long, long time. Um, what is keeping us or what is keeping the platforms covering live events today from embracing what you're doing and using it quicker, faster, more efficiently? Is it fear? Is it, you know, the golden lasso? Is it, we're okay where we are. What what has slowed down the acceleration, and what will kind of jumpstart it going forward for you guys?
0: Yeah, I think I think it's some of all of what you just said. Um, there's definitely fear, um, you know. That I I think that there's also an education that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. There's, there's still, you know, we're still at a point in our technology. It's still first inning, second inning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not enough people know that what we have done has solved a lot of these issues. So it's the old, you know, nobody ever got fired for hiring IBM right. and we're not IBM, not yet at least, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, so I think that there's a, um, a certain, well, we have it, we know it could be better, but I'm a little afraid to make a huge change right now. I think that the area where things will start certainly for, let's say, broadcasters or some of the bigger companies that have invested a lot of both um, financial and human capital into what they've done on a technology side is where betting comes in. Because everybody is going to have to have some sort of betting solution, whether it be a second feed that if you're the NBA and you're TNT or ESPN, you have a second feed for those who are more interested in betting And it's just, you know, different graphics, different announcers, and it's a real-time stream so you can make your bets and play and all that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if that will be the answer or not. Time will tell. But ultimately, um, we believe that our business is a timing business. It's not a if everybody will change. It's a when because real-time is table stakes going forward. You can't have interactivity. You can't have fans watching the super bowl 30 40 50 seconds behind their friends you can't have people in the uk cheering about a goal and their neighbor down the hall hasn't even seen it yet Um, at some point things are just not are just not going to work and even we're starting to see this sort of tried and true hls technology that everybody counted on is now even itself is having problems and breaking down and buffering and having issues i mean almost every fight, pay-per-view fight that's happened that has been streamed has had problems, whether yes. it be it's broken down because people, too many people came to sign up at once or the stream just degraded or whatever that might be. And those are issues that, you know what, that's yesterday. That, that should not happen and doesn't, it doesn't have to happen anymore. And with our technology, it doesn't happen. So um, you know, it's one thing if we were sort of in the idea stage and we, would, we were saying, well, maybe, you know, this is what we propose is gonna do. We do it every day. And, you know, and I know I'm plugging our company, but even if it's not us, I mean, some real time is, is here to stay and it will only become sort of the lingua franca of, of, of streaming because you, you just don't have a choice.
1: Jed, we're witnessing
0: an incredible moment in the history of sports
1: business vis-a-vis this gambling thing you know yeah. we went from having people like Roger Goodell and Rob Manfred dismiss <laughs> it as something they never do as recently as 2000 I think 15 or maybe even 16 to now yeah, basically they're not even doubling down they're tripling down the NFL keeps cutting deals mean
0: that when people. we were, when we worked for the league
1: oh well, well, we well 20 years back. ago forget it we I couldn't even mention fantasy when I worked We couldn't even NFL. have
0: fantasy right. That's right. We even have right.
1: Fantasy. so it it is such an important um step because when you start thinking about the different facets um, and implications of gambling that is by definition real time uh, in terms of the uh experience for gamblers and viewers stuff like that how i'm wondering how they you square this conflict between the growth of sports betting which is literally happening in front of our eyes right now uh, as more and more states get mobile uh Uh, legalization, and the need for that real-time technical experience. Like, in other words, how can any of these companies truly get into it as deeply as they seem to want to right now without solving this problem?
0: Yeah, no, it's, 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 so I think we're at something like, I believe it's 27 plus plus DC that have some form of legalized sports betting. Right. And I think I, I think it was the stat that I read recently from the AGA, American Gaming Association, by the end of 23, we'll have 80 percent of the you know potential adult or betting population right. able to do some form of betting, right. uh, sports betting. Now, in my mind, until it's mobile, it doesn't really have the same impact. I mean, right. um, if you look at the UK, which is sort of the model in some ways, you're looking at about. 70 or 80 percent of the bets are done online mobile. New Jersey has something like 90 percent of the betting is on mobile. Um, So, you know, having the state pass a law is one thing. Having them pass a law so you can bet online slash mobile is really where they'll start to see the uptick. But um, to your point, I mean, what so betting is basically done on data. Right. So you get the data, you get your odds, you look at, you know, if you go on DraftKings or FanDuel, whatever sports book you go on to bet, you're betting on the data. You're getting the data on, you know, whether or not this team has a a greater chance to win the over under all the all the all the bets that you see are based on data, because the data traditionally comes in at about a second or so um, behind the real behind the action on the field. But now, once you start bringing in real-time streaming into the equation, well, now you can synchronize the stream with the data, and you which is what we do, and you can bet now not only on the data, but you can bet on the pictures and you can bet on video. And so what you're starting to see in some cases, some of the sports books are acquiring video rights, like DraftKings has a deal with MLB and Barstool did a deal with the Arizona Bowl and 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 you know bally's has a ton of content through sinclair and the rsn yeah, i think pga tour
1: did a deal with fanduel too on and, that. yeah
0: exactly so you're starting to see the um, implementation or the acquisition of video content video rights from sports books so they can potentially differentiate themselves frankly from each other because without it it's i mean what as a fan makes you go to fanduel versus DraftKings? excuse me, versus points bet, versus pen, et cetera, it's, it's tough to differentiate yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why their cost of, of acquisition is so high because they've basically got to give away money so you can come to their sportsbook and bet, you know, the first 500 is free or some, you know, whatever promotion they run. That's very tough to sustain over the long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they start acquiring video rights or other content, and you want to watch, let's say, MLB while you're betting. Um, now you have what's known as a watch and bet experience rather than a bet and watch. So today, it's you get your data, you make your bet, and then you watch. Mm-hmm. But the real money is where you can watch and bet at the exact same time. And that's what happens in Europe. And that's what we do with horse racing and some other sports that we do in Europe. But that's what will happen here in the U.S. When you can start on your mobile device, you go to the, the sports book app and you're watching and betting and watching and betting, the game is happening and you're betting in, inside the game, whatever that game is, now you're talking about significant money.
1: But Chad, are you suggesting that these rights deals for the betting companies are actually for full games? I understood, for example, the PGA Tour deal to be just highlights. In other words, it's the bet and watch experience, as you said, Right. So you're not actually watching, let's say, the NBC broadcast of this week's PGH tournament. You know what I mean? You're, yeah, you're, th- you're bringing both. in
0: highlights. I'm talking about actual streaming rights. I'm talking about watching a Major League Baseball game on your DraftKings app. I'm talking about watching the tennis channel on your ballybet Bet app.
1: Wow. Right but that, I mean to, to be clear, guys, and I'm asking this to Joe, too, that's, there's no examples of that in the U.S. right well, now.
2: There actually are. So, so okay. it's been tested, Monumental tested it with Monumental Sports Network okay. and running a betting channel. And Jed, I think somebody else did one last year too as well, where-
0: Yeah, uh, you, there was, I'm trying to remember who it was. So I can't remember off the top of my head, but you're right. There was some other testing. Yeah. Monumental We're definitely- Now with a few year, different yeah. people. Yep. We're in the testing phase with sports books, with content, with broadcasters, etc. So mm-hmm. it's very much coming. That's I mean, really so, 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 so <laughs> we, we for are thinking that it's very much coming. <laughs> There'll
1: will be a press release at some point in the near future that'll say, such and such a sw- uh, sports book just bought the rights to fill in the blank. Well, there is.
0: I mean, look at you know, Draft Kings did a deal for one yep. game a week of Major League Baseball. Yeah,
1: I mean, no, I was suggesting a more significant like, oh, oh, yeah. You know, like well, essentially, think, essentially getting into the world of big time. Yeah, I think that
0: may be a few more years away, but I okay. do think they'll buy packages, they'll buy right. games, they'll buy- Kind you know, of around like like what
1: Amazon's been doing, just exactly, kind of slowly getting- Exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah, that, right. You know, sort of the, the pick and choose model right. rather than, you know, will DraftKings be right. the official- Betting right. rights, you know, stream it. That'll right. be a few years away because that's, that's, you know, yeah. tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. But being able to buy a game a week or mm-hmm. exactly what you said, Tom, what Amazon is doing, right. yes, that I think is sooner rather than later.
2: Interesting. So, Tom, I'm going to give you your suppose, which you brought up numer- numerous times, right. which is kind of the obvious one. So, there's uh, a league that plays on Sundays that has the shield in the middle of the field <laughs> that owns their own network that is now heavily into this and owns their own fantasy gaming platform that was the uh, owns their own fantasy gaming platform so when does someone jed especially those guys who play on sunday because they can do it the best say okay we'll take all your money but we're going to do this you know why shouldn't why wouldn't we do we don't want to be you know there's so many things and uh, by the way the other thing 2018 i just looked it up was uh, the year the NCAA said, oh, we're not gonna allow any championships in New Jersey because they have the sports bank gambling thing now. <laughs> so that changed a little bit in yeah. two years. Yeah. So so why not the leagues? And I know we're limited on time and I don't want to get off on two tangents, but that's that was one of my questions.
0: Well I mean I think there's a couple things. First of all, you know the the packages that the media rights packages that they're selling
2: greed. That's one reason.
0: So yeah I mean more often than not will include betting rights. And so, you know, Fox and CBS and NBC and all down the line want to have those rights so they can either do it themselves, create, you know, pass through or sell through to the books, you know, control them in some manner, shape or form. Now, um, the NFL, I believe in their deal with genius has retained some betting rights in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So could they do it themselves? Potentially. I know, you know Brian Rollup has said on numerous occasions, he wants reach, 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 right? And which you know, Tom and I know, because we've worked there. They want bigger and better and they want people to you know, write them big checks, which makes perfect sense. People do write them big checks. They have the most, you know, let's face it, they have the most desired content there is from a sports standpoint. Um, but will, will they work with broadcasters on creating a second betting feed, like I talked about earlier? Will they carve out certain things for their sportsbook partners, you know, over time to give them rights to, you know, one game a week or something like that? You know, those are all things that are additional revenue streams for them that could possibly be, you know, that could possibly happen over time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking. I, I like-
0: think they're going to have to do something like that because leaving all the content into, to sort of traditional linear is not where the youth is spending most of their time. Um, You know, the attention span, you guys probably know more than anybody because you're dealing with students on a day-to-day basis. Attention span isn't there when we, like when we were growing up, you know, people don't necessarily want to watch a three hour game. So what do you feed them and where do you feed it to them? No, no, I
1: was just, it's funny, this week, Comscore did a webinar on this, their their annual state of OTT, and I attended the webinar, and I just got the presentation, I'm happy to share it with you guys, uh, it's publicly available if you register, um, and it's very relevant to my day job at Mercury, where we're doing a lot of connected TV work for, for right. entertainment and media companies, but what's abundantly clear when you study some of the key developments, this won't surprise anybody, is that Cord cutting continues apace. The cord nevering is a reality in our society where young people transitioning from let's say college to uh, their, uh, their post-college life are not getting paid TV. And um, part of that was the growth of OTT consumption dominated by the big players in OTT, like YouTube, Netflix, uh, et cetera. Uh, but the, the interesting aspect of the newest report is that the fastest growing part of OTT is through smart TVs, not the mm-hmm. connected TV devices, which, which kind of mm. dominate in the US, like Apple TV and Roku and things like that. Yeah. But the idea of the software being like in our Samsung, some of us have Samsung's. They've got this, the software's called Tizen.
2: Tizen.
1: Essentially do all what you want to do, what you can do in your other connected devices through right. the software, but most of us choose to plug in an extra thing. Right. But the fascinating part is, as it relates to this conversation, is that we're looking at a near future. Where the majority of fans will be consuming on OTT, yeah. Whether any league likes it or not, that's yes. just it's inevitability. <laughs> yeah, so, God this stuff, right. Mm-hmm. This stuff needs to be figured out. And if you if you think about uh, Jed's really interesting and, and provocative, I would say thought of like uh, instead of watch and bet, bet and watch, like turning it inside out. It really does make you think that this could be very different. In a certain period of time, yeah. Uh, as long as the economics can be made uh, okay for the power burden. Well, if
0: you, if you, if you, if you're DraftKings or you're any sportsbook, insert sportsbook here, and you, you you do the math and you figure out how many more bets you're taking because you're able to take all these in-play bets. So, how much more engagement are people going to have with your product if you're mm-hmm. a broadcaster? Um, because you're betting. I mean, all the research shows better stay with the game longer. I mean, that's no secret. Right. I mean, that's right. been out for a while. You know, the economics potentially do start to make sense to spend money on the content because you'll recoup it and then some through the through the amount of money that you make from the bets. Right. So, you know, it's 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 look, it was. To your point, Tom, there was that, you know, the, the two lines, you know, at some point, the linear CFO like that, right. and the digital CFO yeah. were like crossing yeah. two ships, crossing in the night. It's like at one point did HBO say, okay, we've got to go digital and not just linear. Right. And that's the same thing that's going to happen here from a betting yeah. standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's just, a, it's just a matter of time. It's not a, because, because we're going to have 40 states probably by the end of 23 and then everybody
1: yeah. else. Well, playing. I was going to say, it'll eventually be, be, be all the states. and But yeah, as, soon as, be, as, soon, mean, as states, most, soon as we get the big states, as soon as we get the big population states, New York, January of 22, and then yeah, possibly yeah. California, Texas, etc. Then then yeah. there's yeah. even going to be even more, significantly more money. Um, it's a fascinating issue to think about. And I can't wait to see where it goes. We are running out of time, Joe. So I'm going to jump into the final two questions. Jed, right. has been, Jed, Jed has been properly given fair warning on uh yeah so we're, we're expecting really good answers jed um Uh-oh. so first and foremost you are uh dealing with a lot of tech um stuff you're dealing with a lot of marketing stuff you're dealing with a lot of industry stuff for the sports business and entertainment business what are you doing to stay up on
0: everything to, keep, to stay smart well um frankly i read <laughs> i am a voracious <laughs> reader i read tons of newsletters and blogs. And I try and at least look at, if not read thoroughly the times and the journal, because they give you a little bit of a different view. Mm -hmm. Um, Every day I read sports industry um, newsletters. I read technology industry newsletters. I look at, um, I read a lot of stuff in venture capital and private equity stuff because they tend to get very early in on companies. And I like to see what companies they have an interest in investing in, because that could be where things are headed a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of plugged myself into that space a little bit like venture Beat and PitchBook news and, you know, things of that nature, just to see what the investor investment community is looking at. Um, and then I just, I mean, I just, I just read a lot. I mean, information is power. It's the oldest adage in the world, but it's as true as it is a hundred years ago as it is today. I mean, right. information is power. The more you, the more you read, the more information, the more knowledge you have, the better prepared you are. It just makes makes you smarter.
1: Great. And then question number two. Can you offer some career advice, particularly to the younger folks listening?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, and I have, and I I can I can say this pretty easily because I have two kids that are, you know, your age kids, students and whatnot. So I think that one thing you have to be weary of is is when you take a job somewhere, it's not the be, it doesn't have to be the be all end all job, your first job. You need to get in the door, right? That's the most important thing is is either either target a company or companies that you like and feel like you'd like to work at. And just get in the door. The first job isn't going to be the job that you're with for 50 years, 20 years, but it gives you that experience and it gives you, I know this is probably basic, but, you know, I think it's the company and getting in the door more than the job Mm -hmm. that's more relevant here. So, you know, if you're into sports, then what kind of sport, what do you want to work for a team? Do you want to work for a league? Or for an agency you know what what is it that you're interested in and list 20 or 30 companies that interest you and target them and just try and get yourself in the door. Mm-hmm. Because once you're in, then you can prove then the work can do. You don't have control initially, but once you get in, then you have control because you can work hard and be smart right. and be prepared. Right. right. That's how you can make a difference. That's
1: good advice. As I often say, it's your first job. Uh, out of a, a school or a program, grad program, or something is not a life sentence. No, it's, exactly. it's your first step in a long journey. And if someone to go look at your profile on LinkedIn and think of where you've gone, where Joe's gone, where I've gone, and and we're not outliers. We are. We're we're, we're the rule. We're not the exception.
0: I agree. I think the days. The
1: exceptions of, are the people that stay at companies for thirty or forty. years. I was years. just going to
0: say. I don't think you see people at companies thirty or forty years anymore. Yeah, like right. you know, like our father's generation, it's just not yeah. like them anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: No, it's this idea of just being open to opportunity and letting each experience be a stepping stone to the next and you take away the good, minimize the bad. As they say, the old song says in Dr. John, accentuate the positive. Yeah. way to do it.
2: All right. Um, Joe, anything else you want to say or add? Uh, No, this covered a lot. I mean, yeah, we could go on for another hour. We should probably do. It'll be interesting. So someone will listen to this. This is September 2021 in December. And they're like, what is he talking about? We're already doing all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah well, hopefully and it'll
1: again. be Phoenix at the forefront. So everybody, we've been talking to uh, Jed Karnthal, who's the CMO of Phoenix Technologies, the uh, the go-to solution for real-time uh, streaming solutions. So, Jed, congratulations on the success of the company overall and to you personally. Um, you're, in, you're in such an interesting and hot space and we, we wish you luck with it. And, and by the way, it's great to have somebody who's not
2: enthusiastic
1: about what they do. I mean, <laughs> All really. right, uh, we'll yeah. have to do a, a second podcast Joe, where maybe we can talk about music if for, for those uh, listeners yeah. who'd be interested in that.
0: Well,
1: no, listen, funny. thank you guys. I enjoyed it. we'll, well, we'll yeah. do. How about we do a review of Rolling Stones' updated top five hundred? <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, a, and I mean, we'll do an assessment. We'll We're going to need. Maybe we'll do a roundtable, Joe. We could bring in Scott Rosner and a few other uh, yeah. friends who are interested in this stuff. Anybody, anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for the all the good My insights, Jed. We really appreciate. it. And thanks to Ben and Taylor helping produce, as always. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions about the show, about you want to host topics, yeah. if you want to host a show, yeah. we are uh, we're an open source podcast. So come at us. We'd be happy to talk to you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Custer.